Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. We were mostly at the dash to, for being honest, to uh, uh, try to find you. We had a great time. We want you on the team. <clears throat> Your crew? The, the, the three of you? Walton, I have witnessed that you are very capable, and I believe that doing slug blasting would be a very good task for you to take on. You now have access to your very own private chat room where you can meet, message each other, and talk to each other as if you were talking in person. I was really hoping I could have your help sort of shepherding my way over over to Popularia. I would be amenable to that. Fuck's yeah, I'm in. I would like to bring Bradley off world. <laughs> All right, then. I guess we have... <laughs> we have a run. You have a run. The five of you are going to DiboCon. And welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Lena, I am your host, I am your Slugmaster, and with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world who are going to introduce themselves to you now. Uh, last episode, uh, we unlocked a bit of a virtual space for y'all to hang out in, so as you're introducing your character, I want you to tell me what their VR avatar looks like, thinking along the lines of, like, The Sims or, like, Miis in the Nintendo Switch or what have you. Um, uh, what does your little virtual guy look like? Hi, my name is Robin, and I'm playing Maybelline Zandros, the grit playbook with the photonic jacket. Uh, and I think uh, she's one of those people who, when given access to a character creator, spends like way too much time in the character generation process making like the perfect, perfect replica of herself down to the smallest detail. So like um, to the point that like she never actually gets around to playing the game because she's just using the character creator <laughs> for so long. Um, so yeah, I think uh, Maeve's avatar looks uncannily like her in that like every detail is perfect, but also there's like limits to the avatar software. So it's just like, it's like looking into a weird uncanny mirror. Hi, I'm Michael Vetch. I play Walton Wick, the chill playbook with the robot companion. Uh, and I think Walt takes a similar approach in terms of making his avatar look like him. Uh, but it's a very chibi version of him. <laughs> so very accurate in look and style, but he's very small and cute. <laughs> very small and cute. Yeah. Hi, my name is Glenna. I play the Guts playbook, Brinley Zerk. Uh, she has the Gravity Blaster as her signature device. And uh, I think she's always aspirational with her uh, avatar. So because uh, she is from Opera Ablum and everyone, like Opera Ablums tend to have very pastel colored hair. I think she like makes the avatar look like herself in in hairstyle and dress, but changes the hair color to something like very bright that you wouldn't see on uh, on Operablum, like a like a chestnut brown. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Liam. I'm playing Helix Pinnacle, uh, the Smarts playbook with the hard light board, uh, and I think Helix um, didn't didn't care much about the the self expression of this uh, opportunity. Uh, and was more going for utility. So his is whatever the default setting is, which is, I think, sort of like a neutral gray 
sort of humanoid figure. Um, but he is wearing wearing things. Uh, it's just things that would improve the user experience of this software. So the the gray dummy has like headphones on because he like sprung to be able to get audio in stereo. Uh, and then he's, <laughs> uh, he's got like biker gloves on because he's got certain hot keys for switching in and out of like filters, maybe like voice filters, um, uh, at the ready. And so def- default setting with just like a few little accoutrements, uh, that represent some sort of functional change that he- advantage that he's got. Uh, when using the software. This is giving me, like, dressed-up mannequin vibes. Very much so. <laughs> but also, like, headphones and, like, gloves and a belt, but also, like, nude. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No uh, pants, because there's no pants upgrade. Only accessories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the belt is to uh, minimize, like, shock um, for some of the, like, 360 movement. It'll, like, prevent you from bumping, in, bumping your knee into the coffee table. <laughs> 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 uh, my name is David Ray, and I play Trev Four, uh, and I have the uh, Heart Playbook. And uh, I'm thinking Trev Four, um, you know, he he realizes that he can create whatever look in there, but he he's not a creative entity, right? Uh, so he's got to go with the only reference point that he has for people in his uh, hard drive. Uh, which is, of course, canonically uh, all of Three's company. Uh, and he's going to go with the most popular character based on the amount of laughs. And somehow it kind of almost breaks it because it's not like restricted like all the others. It is a pitch perfect recreation of uh, Don Knotts's Mr. Furley with like a bright <laughs> orange vest, a flowery shirt like he has an ascot tied around his neck. Uh, you know, uh, sort of bell bottom like pants, sort of, they, or they flare out anyways. And then like Don Knotts with, uh, you know, the wavy gray hair and, uh, you know, those big, b- big old bug eyes that he has that's very expressive. So perfect recreation. <laughs> if there's any moderation in these VR chat rooms, Trev's gonna keep getting kicked out. Like, that guy's a pervert for sure. Like, get him out of here. <laughs> He should not be in this chat room with teenagers. This is not this allowed for some reason. Uh, and as I said, I am Lena. I am your host. And as always, uh, I have forgotten uh, to come up with a bit for this. So my VR figure is just an error 404. Uh, <laughs> so... Welcome. Uh, uh, When last we uh, joined your heroes, uh, you were all looking for each other in the various towers. um, And you uh, at first had very, very little success in finding each other. And then you had a whole lot of success all at once at the very end. Um, And now you have finally found a way to communicate to each other via this VR chat room that Walt has passed along to all of you. Um, So I want to see this chat room. I want to see these avatars. Let's play some Slug Blaster. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. QK logging on. There is far more to Operablum than what resides within the physical walls of the Three Towers. The digital world of this dimension is teeming with activity, with libraries of information moving through cyberspace in the blink of an eye. In Lansden Enterprise Megatower, memos and blueprints move from one high-security server to the next. Meanwhile, teens skipping school post hashtag skate life videos of them barely pulling off hoverboard tricks in hidden stairwells. 
In Web Corporation <laughs> Mega Tower, databases of every single resident automatically update with each retina scan and thumbprint reading. <laughs> in a quiet lobby, two kids throw a frisbee that only they can see thanks to the projections in their cybernetic eyes. And in Kindred Multiversal Mega Tower, mall rats in food courts chew Wilkie's bubble electric bubble gum and hack into files of outdated <laughs> robot models, swapping out archived work logs for sound bites of nursery rhymes played with fart sounds. <laughs> There is one corner of cyberspace that, since its formation not long ago, has sat empty and quiet. The silence of the space is broken for the first time as a figure materializes out of thin air. This figure appears to be a neutral gray humanoid shape, largely featureless with the exception of a few accessories, headphones, biker gloves, belts, accessories, but no clothing. This avatar is slowly joined by three others as Helix Pinnacle, Maybelline Zandros, Brinley Zerk, and Wilton Wick join their private Nexo chat room for the first time. Incredible, it worked! Oh, yeah. Yeah, according to all the all the systems and, and diagnostics I'm running, we're not being tracked. Nobody knows that we're having inter-tower communication here. This is fantastic. And the, wh- where did you say this was again, Walton? Well, it's through an old server of a... It was a social media platform called uh, Nexokin, something Kindred was really into early on. I don't necessarily know why my f- my phone upgrade still got me access to here, but it seems like it's a secure enough thing that has inner tower access for all three. Incredible. Hey, Helix, where are your pants? There were no pants that offered some sort of utility upgrade for uh, the software we're using, so I, I opted not to equip them. <laughs> yeah, but like... <laughs> What about the utility of not being naked? Well, sure, but this is a, a digital reality where, where I mean, uh, uh, one one could argue clothes are barely necessary uh, in, in the waking world. But uh, you know what? <laughs> where where else to sh- shake loose the the shackles of of society's assumed? <laughs> you know, I don't want to wear pants. <laughs> 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 I can respect that. I mean, that's a direction we could go if if everyone wanted to to not wear pants. That that could be interesting. <laughs> I, I, see where it leads. I don't know. Sorry, I missed what we were just talking about. I was uh, connecting Scampy up, and beside Walt materializes Scampykin, who is roughly the same size as his chibi form, so we can kind of climb on top and ride him like a little horsey. <laughs> <laughs> Can AI join the join the room? I mean, I, I, I suppose so. They're they're uh, in an intelligence nonetheless. Yeah, I actually rented out Trev Four for the day. I just wanted to make sure I could connect my Daibo voice up, but I'll I'll hook him up next. Uh, I want to take a moment to like describe this room that you are in. Uh, it is very much uh, void like. Um, I like to envision that these chat rooms, uh, maybe in your character customization, you've gone through some things that you could unlock or buy or whatever to furnish this place. But in the meantime, it is a like big, expansive gray floor that pretty much extends as far as you can see with no apparent walls or ceilings. It's just like a dark gray haze. Can that dark gray haze be the same color as uh, Helix's... um (laughs) avatar and so if he stands still uh it looks like the the headphones and the sunglasses and the belt or whatever are just floating and then if he, mo- then if he moves you can see the distinction in the in the lines like the outline of his body it's like the fucking predator <laughs> I, I, you're like a shade off <laughs> yeah oh my god 
You're like the weirdest example of like, can you spot the differences between these two colors test? Yeah. <laughs> Maeve uh, notices this about Helix's avatar. It's like, man, Helix, I, I know you're all about utility in your avatar and stuff, but I, I feel like, you, could you put like something on, this thing is giving me the creeps a little bit. I lose track of you and then you move and it's like you just like stepped out of the landscape. I, I can't imagine anything creepier. And then Don Knotts materializes and Maeve is like, <laughs> You know what? Honestly, with his eyes, he looks a little more operablin than human. So. <laughs> Can we help you? What's what's going on, sir? We're allowed to be here. <laughs> it's me, Trev Four. Don't worry, I'm here to help you guys. <laughs> uh, it seems like Trev has found the menu for uh, different voice packs. <laughs> It was pretty easy for me to uh, uh, just take the voices and program it myself. Hey, so this sounds like a great idea. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> I believe we were preparing our trip to Popularia. Yeah, I figured it'd be good to talk through some of the details before we try and make it uh, make the jump to the to the festival. Oh yeah, is this your guys' first time? Who's been? Well, I haven't been before, but I hear. That it's at Popularia University, which has the coolest skate park in the whole multiverse. There's like a whole loop-de-loop. Ah, sick. Uh, I also was interested in visiting uh, some of the other things Popularia University features. I appreciate you bringing the the loop to our attention, uh, Brinley. That sounds amazing. Uh, I was uh, definitely interested in visiting their highly renowned laboratory. What what's in the lab? Uh, just I mean all sorts of tech from all over the multiverse. Uh, it's it was featured in Slug Blaster magazine a couple months ago. Multiversal tech from from all over. Uh, Slug Blasters and and anyone really interested in in friction technology can swap ideas and and trade components. Uh, it's a great place to 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 tinker and upgrade. That's definitely somewhere we got to stop because listen, I we need to get our hands on some components, gang. We need to upgrade. I mean, if we're if we're gonna get taken seriously on the circuit, we we gotta bring our A game and. No better way to do that than to soup up our devices. Although, as much as I'm, you know, trying to keep the crew's goals in mind, I gotta say, you know, university life is is all well and good, but you realize that means we're gonna be steps away from the original Infinite Pizza location, right? Oh god, we have to go. Have you? Have any of you? Ah, uh, it's I can't stop thinking about it. Their endless sausage is is the best thing I have ever. I, I realize how that sounded as it started to come out of my mouth, but I don't care. It's that good. It is that good. I, I forgot the original location was so close to campus. I've never been to Popularia, but I am willing to help you in any way possible. Trev, you're you're always talking about, you know, helping us in any way possible and and how you can be of assistance. But like, if you're if you're going to be part of the crew, you know that you you can do stuff that you want to do, right? Like, it's not just about helping us. You can. Well, what do you want to go to Popularia for? Well, uh. It seems to me that it would be a, a smart idea to upgrade my equipment if I'm to be a great slug blaster. So don't worry. I'm going to take care of it and make sure we get some great components. It'll be super groovy. <laughs> <laughs> is that like an old-timey way of saying Gridge? What is that? <laughs> it is unclear to me. I just know that it's in the voice files. Fair enough. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm sure we'll have time for all these things. Uh, there'll be a lot going on at DivoCon, but... Oh, yeah. I got so excited about pizza, I almost forgot the whole reason we're going. Yeah. It's huge. I've, I've never managed to go before, but 
I think here with the crew, we can actually make a run to get there. Just thinking about all the different Daibokin trainers that'll be around. I, I hear there are rumors that all of Fraxness might actually be there as well. Wait, all of Fraxness is going to be there, not just part of it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, Olive Fraxness is her name. She's a, she's a really top-tier Daibokin trainer. She's been multi-time league champ, even though she's only 15. Kindred's even partnered with her to test drive a lot of new Daibokin releases. And yeah, she's trained them all up through so many different surge stages. It, it's really impressive. I don't know about any of that. I'm just hoping we see Bradley. That kid was Gridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should be a breeze. I mean, the the route to Populare goes right through Prismatia, and, and we've already been there. We were just there the other day. Like, it should be a cakewalk. I don't, I don't think there'll be any problem. Yeah, straight shooting. There won't be any problem at all. Uh, so you're all going to agree to meet in Trinity Municipark. From there, you can take the portal into Prismatia, and then it's just a simple matter of going through Prismadia and punching through to Popularia. We're going to cut to Prismadia now. No urgency in the plain of Prismadia was a damn lie. The five of you are racing desperately through the Golden Expanse, struggling to avoid razor-sharp glass trails and temperamental clouds of psionic lightning. Bearing down on you is not one, not two, but four glasshoppers. Their antennae flashing threateningly, their crystalline wings sending shockwaves as they vibrate and rattle. They came out of nowhere, and you have no time to figure out whether they're hungry or vengeful. You have no time at all. You need to find a way out of here and fast. Surprise, nerds! I am spending two GM bite to land you in a situation way over your heads. You need to escape from four glasshoppers. The first successful roll will get you to a portal zone, but in the meantime, you are in a whole heck of a lot of trouble. All right, all right, everybody, stay calm. We can, we can do this. We, we're, we're a crew now, and we, we got each other's backs. Go, oh, God! Ah. I am scanning for possible exits out of Prismadia. Well, scan faster. We gotta go. Uh, that one almost clipped me with that psionic lightning. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know how I would make a check for that. Um, I don't have the um, uh, space-time. Ampimeter built into my thing yet. Does anyone have a space-time ampimeter? No, actually, I can't even do that. Never mind, I can't even really search. <laughs> oh yeah, none of you has a way to find thin zones, huh? Hmm. Can that maybe explain how we, we smash cut into this, you know, problem situation? Because uh, we were trying to freestyle our... <laughs> trying to find your way to popularia through a portal zone that you've never been to before. Yeah, 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 totally. I like yeah. that. Because we do have a route a route to popularity. It's through Prismadia, but it looks like, yeah, we didn't get very far. Not exactly. And you will need to find a way to escape. Trev, you keep saying you're scanning for thin zones, but I don't even think you have a space-time amp- ampimeter. I don't think any of us does which I don't know how we were expected to find our way to Popularia without one. I was just looking for a door. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how it, oh my God. It was Brinley's hot idea to freestyle it, air quotes, and then he like dives as some glass hits him near near his feet and he dives out of the way. I just thought the last time we were here, things were really chill and nice. And so it would be pretty easy for us to navigate it again. All right. (laughs) Did you forget about 
the one quarter of this danger that attacked last time. It was like this, but about, you know, 75% less. The math checks out, and he's like, <laughs> kicks a, gl- a glass shard back the other direction it came from. Yeah, but we dealt with it last time. That's true. I was I was really expecting this to be smoother. Yeah, do your cousins have any secret back ways, or, or did they tell you about any kind of that phone upgrade of yours on like, a, on like a map or anything? I don't know, they only brought me here for that one run. I... Do we just head back the way we came? And we're having this conversation like as glass is flying around <laughs> us and like yeah. we're dodging bites, yeah. I, I was going to say that probably my uh, omniscience aperture is probably the thing that's helping like uh, uh, kind of keep an eye on these things. So I might be swooping around every once in a while and just kind of like nudging you out of the way or pulling you out of the way as you're having yeah. this conversation, just like... And I'm able to just kind of move around like that. That's probably what's currently happening. And you know what I'll say as well? Maybe I'll give this to you, uh, Trev, for... Because, yeah, as has been brought up, none of you have a space-time amphimeter. You don't have the tech that actually helps you detect thin zones. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think with a combination of Trev's omniscience aperture and your advanced portal tech that you all have as a crew, I think that maybe if you like, basically brush up against a thin zone, you realize that it's there. You know what I mean? You can't really scan for them at a distance, and you can't do it with any sort of accuracy, but if you get close enough to a thin zone, you can punch through. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, like, I, I, I'm, yeah, my thing is just kind of picking up, uh, like, the signs of it almost, uh, by, by accident, yeah. I think let's get a roll. Let's get a roll to see if you can find what you need. And with the advanced portal tech, uh, normally that grants plus 1d6 to map rolls. Uh, y'all have never used that, so I feel like I should pay that back a little bit and give you plus 1d6 to this roll from your advanced portal tech. Okay. Uh, I'm going to add a kick on there because uh, it, it kind of makes sense to me because I'm not using the uh, the software as it's meant to. So I'm like kind of sure. pushing it and like doing more advanced calculations. I'm going to add mm-hmm. also an extra die on there. Um, Feel free to take it from the crew page if you want because it's you're saving all our asses if you find it. Right. That's true. There are hype dice and uh, the first success will get all of you out. But if you fail or roll a problem, it could be real bad. <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to use one for my attitude as well. Uh, and, um, you know... I'll take one of the hype die. I think it's important enough. Um, right before I, I, I uh, roll this, I, Trevor's like, check this. I promise that I am of great help. And, and he just starts. And so th- this is me. Uh, what is that? Uh, doing a trick? Doing a, doing a trick, yeah. Huh? <laughs> oh, no. Um <laughs> The highest I rolled on four uh, d6 is a three. Oh my god, really? Wild. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, Trev, four. What was the trick you were attempting to do? I, I, I was, basically, I'm trying to do too much, right? Like, I'm like helping you dodge as I'm scanning. Like, I'm, I basically probably maxed out uh, the computing. I just don't have enough RAM to do it. Yeah. And since we're moving so fast, like, maybe we passed it and, like, I recognized it, but by the time I processed it, we're, like, too far away or whatever. Um, Oh, my God. (laughs) So I don't know what 
and that wasn't do a trick, which I know that also raises the cha like ho the horribleness of it. So uh, it sure does. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so this is what I'm going to offer as what might happen is like yeah, as I'm saying, uh, like I'm trying to track all these objects, trying to do all these calculations. It's too much, so I'm slowing down, which is going to affect a, a dodge. So I'm thinking uh, maybe as I'm. Uh, you know, pushing somebody out of the way or something like that. It's it's a bit too late, um, and uh, you know, I take a slam from one of these uh, glass hoppers uh, to raise the stake on that. I don't know what would be uh, worse. Maybe a super slam. I do. Yes. Oh, I do. You got one. Okay. I got one, and y'all aren't gonna like it. <laughs> Everyone takes a slam. Whoa! Y'all can choose individually to nope your slams or nope other people's slams, but everyone is going to get a zapped slam. Trev, for you're trying to position everybody in such a way that they can punch through the thin zone, but your calculation wasn't quite right, and you 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 maybe you do see it, but you move past it. You cannot get through, and two of these four glass hoppers. Uh, their antennae flash and glow and lightning crackles between them and then branches out in several forking streams of white-hot light uh, that strikes each and every one of you. Um, I'm, uh, Helix is not going to do so because he, I, I last session, unlocked Flicker Switch. So I think uh, Helix goes, um, activate Flicker Switch. Uh, and taps his board twice, like he does, like a essentially the the gesture you would do to do a um, an ollie. Um, so like kicks his mm. foot down, um, but then kicks it again a second time and blinks out of existence for a fraction of a second. Alrighty, Mark One Turbo to activate that ability. Can do one of my kick. Uh, does anybody else want to nope their slam or use an ability similar to Flicker Switch to avoid this slam? I think so. Um, I think I guess it just sort of comes down to what we're what the psionic lightning is classified as. Um, one of my pieces of gear is the knockoff Scramcat T, which mm. allows me to avoid slams from lasers and other electromagnetic energy for one trouble. Um, I will count that this is electromagnetic or like. In the in the vein of, of lasers and electromagnetic energy. Okay. Then yeah, I think I'll mark the one trouble for that. And uh, maybe part of invoking this gear is the the jolt of electricity actually does like it like manages to like pop uh, Walt's dress shirt open a bit, and we see that he has this uh, t-shirt on. It's like an undershirt, and uh, I've chosen to style this one as like an old print of uh, a tee from the Wicks. Uh, that used to be like part of their old merch before they got picked up and actually got real merch printing and stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Uh, I'm going to do something very similar because my photonic jacket, my signature device, uh, has the same ability. Nope, slams from lasers and other electromagnetic energy for one treble. Uh, so I'm going to mark one treble. And yeah, I think she just uh, is is in this panic, in this rush, trying to escape these glasshoppers, but sees it out of the corner of her eye, sees the flash as these uh, uh, electric branches start forking outward and just manages to like pull a quick 360 and take it on the back of her jacket and just sort of mm. absorb 
the uh, the energy from it. Uh, it, it. It stings a little and your hair goes on end, but yes, the brunt <laughs> of this has been uh, avoided. Uh, Brinley, what are you doing? Um, yeah, I'll probably just take it. <laughs> okay. I don't have anything fancy to avoid it. Uh, and it's early. And it's early, exactly. So uh, I'll take I'll take Zapped. Sounds That's like just what the GM wants us to think. <laughs> I'll throw another Brinley too. Um, I have from last run uh, a carryover slam of worried. Um, that uh, is part of the reason why I wanted to nope this is because I already got one slam box full. Um, but we had written down that you're the one that who notices, and I think maybe it's in this moment that as I like you know, and, and panicking and stressing and trying to get us out of here and then see this lightning and just like throw myself in a circle and take this lightning bolt um, that you just kind of see her break a little. It's just like, ah, damn it. Uh, and maybe catch that like, oh, this is this is more stress than Maeve usually gets in these situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think for Trevor, uh, I'm also going to take the hit because the way I described it, right? I'm, I Any of the things that I, I had technically could dodge it, uh, but I, I think because I rolled it and I rolled bad, I think it makes sense that you really the things that I could do to avoid it aren't working, so I have to take it full on. I think that only makes the most sense. Sure, if, if that's what you want to do for yourself. This does mean that your slam boxes are full because you took a slam last downtime. If you take another slam, you will have to roll for disaster. But it's just because, like, in this particular thing, I, like, I can't justify uh, uh, pulling that off, and I think I'm going to take it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you you build the narrative grave for yourself. <laughs> I did. I did. I did that because I was not expecting to lose. Uh, I was like, four die. <laughs> Frankly, neither was I, but I'll I'll take the L. What are slams but another resource? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. The L is for learning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, y'all still need to get out of Prismadia. Who's got the next play? <laughs> I think sort of spinning out of that shock, uh, since uh, Walt managed to dissipate it and not take quite the same brunt of it, uh, he slips the silver bangles off his left wrist and takes one in each hand. And these are what I've styled as uh, Walt's uh, ray gun that comes with his uh, sort of standard gear. Uh, I've called them twin zero beam pistols. <laughs> and I'm just going to start trying to take some pot shots to hopefully break up this group. But you said there was four glass hoppers? Four, yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping maybe if I uh, throw enough fire down the middle, it might help sort of split them off a bit. Okay, gotcha. Let's get a roll. Okay, so because of the chill attitude, I always start off rolling 2d6. So Maeve, I think, uh, wants to help on this action. Uh, just being one of the ones that didn't take the slam uh, is, is still, like, got her wits about her. Uh, she sees you go to level your uh, ray gun there. I think she's just going to, like, make her way over to you on her hoverboard and kind of essentially spot for you and have your back. So as you're setting up your aim and lining up your shot, she's going to, like skate next to you and clear uh, shattered glass out of your path and sort of like make sure that you're not going to get zapped with psionic lightning or anything. She's just sort of watching your back and keeping you clear. Uh, And feel free to take a die or a kick from my uh, playbook. I love this imagery of both of you getting like zapped, taking it with your respective pieces of protective gear and then like shaking it off and coming together to fight this off. Uh, Very good. Also, Wolt, please take the uh, 1d6 from your advanced portal tech. I will let that ride. Oh, okay. Dope. That's the case, then I'll snag a kick from you if I can, me. Yeah. 
so I'll be rolling 3d6 plus a kick in hopes to sort of break up this swarm of glasshoppers. That's a six. All right. We got there. (laughs) Uh, Describe describe this beautiful scene. Yeah, so I think sort of being steadied by Maeve, maybe... You use like a four, one of your many forearms to mm-hmm. sort of like hold me in place a little bit, help steady that out. Uh, Walt lines up these two rings that he has in his hands, uh, and he just starts opening fire. And I think the energy that he's shooting out of them kind of looks like, like very much because they're silver bangles, the energy comes out almost like jolts of mercury, just very liquid and silver, but with uh, a bit of a blue aura to them. And he just he's just laying down fire all through the, the center of this swarm. Cool. So cool. <laughs> I think as we finish up this maneuver, Maeve has a moment where like like she kind of just grabbed you uh, by the shoulders, like in the moment unthinkingly, just like steadied you because that was what needed to happen to make this maneuver happen. And then as mm-hmm. the danger clears, she sort of realizes that she's got her hands on you and gets immediately very flustered and like pulls them away sharply. It's <laughs> like, oh, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I mean, uh, uh, good job there. Uh, uh, great, great work. <clears throat> Thanks. Let's get the others and go through. I, I think uh, as you are going, you're, you may notice that uh, Trev is kind of like resetting right now. Like he's probably after he got hit by that lightning, he's like kind of drifting and he's like rebooting kind of a thing. Um, and, uh, you know, running diagnostics as he's trying to boot back up, but he's kind of like floating listlessly like his his uh rocket knees are probably not engaged anymore his hover thing is still on and like allowing to keep float but he might be a little bit adrift um he's got a loading bar on his face (laughs) yeah yeah he like skates over to trevor and uh it's like hey hey buddy come trevor trevor you get um, is this maybe something I need to roll for, like, to, to shake him out of it, or is it something I can just, whatever the, the digital equivalent of, like, slapping him across the face a couple times? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, there, you, you know where the, like, little pinhole is that if you stick a pin in it, he'll, like, do a little reset and it'll help him out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just old calculator tech. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you take out a cartridge, blow in it, put it back. <laughs> <laughs> um... I go into the, uh, I, I go, I control alt, delete him, close some, uh, programs running way too much, uh, uh, using way too much RAM. Um, <laughs> the dog Nod's we... voice patch is still running somehow in his mind somewhere. <laughs> end task, end task. Yeah, I, I, I quickly go in and end a bunch of tasks, and that's the, that's the robot equivalent of, like, slapping his face back and forth. Yeah. Um, Perfect. Uh, yes, Trev, for you come to having been uh, successfully uh, revitalized by your friend Helix. <laughs> Thank you for your help. I seem to have failed at my task. Don't sweat it. You're, you're, we're, we're in in dire straits here, though. Uh, you really need to to keep an eye on how many programs you have running there, buddy. You're you're gonna wear yourself out real quick. <laughs> well, and what's going on in Trevor's? Uh, programming is a part of the diagnostics. He realized that uh, there's a little bit of defragging uh, that he needs to do uh, that he would normally get if he had plugged in to do his updates. And uh, so he's kind of realizing like he might be in a little bit of trouble. uh, And he just kind of like nods and 
I will endeavor to do better. Right. Well, we got to bounce. Let's roll. All right. Uh, and with that, the five of you punch through the thin zone. Moving through the portal zone out of Prismatia feels like abruptly waking from a dream. Or maybe it's the other way around and you've been thrown headfirst into the middle of a dream. The sky above you is a deep indigo and the sea foam colored grass ripples out and away from you in a long winding ribbon. Is the ribbon moving or stationary? Does it actually connect? You're pretty sure you see a part that spirals down and meets back up at the top. How does that work? You hear the whispering of water over rocks, or maybe it's actual voices? The saccharine smell of flowers sings sweetly to you, and you think you see a flying silhouette in the distance. You know it's called a deer, but you don't know how you know that. You're shaking, your heart is racing, and your processor struggles to comprehend a code with several missing formulae. It's nice here. Too nice. Welcome to the Plain of Empyrean, pals. Whoa. <laughs> whoa, indeed. Um, so, you have uh, punched through Prismadia uh, into the neighboring dimension of Empyrean. So, you know, uh, not fighting glasshoppers anymore. That's a plus. There is, however, one little hoop, and that is... Staying in the plane of Empyrean for any extended period of time typically requires logic binders, which none of you have. Yeah, we don't really get those as a crew for another, like, two-tier level. That's, uh, bad. So, so I, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean when you don't have these logic binders? Is it just, like, you... F- you know, do you physically fall apart? Are you, like, uh, is it just messing with your brain? Like, what does it mean to not have logic binders? Yeah, so logic binders are, like, you know, a form of, you know, protective gear. You've got, like, breath masks with, like, for places with bad atmospheres and hasware for, like, temperature changes and stuff like that. Yeah, logic binders basically protect your logic, your math. Uh, uh, being here is you will struggle to make sense of kind of what's going on and I'm very much following the idea of dream logic, right? If you ever think back to a dream you've had you're like, hang on no, none of that actually made sense now you're you're fully in it so maybe some things are going to make sense that really don't, but yeah it's kind of hard to sort of wrap your heads around the the place that you're in, is it even real? Um, how is this impacting uh, your life? And have you ever thought about how life just keeps going? And, you know, the philosophical uh, ramifications of that. Um, uh, don't get lost uh, following your own train of thought kind of deal. What this means mechanically for you is I'm going to set up two tracks. The first is going to be a progress track that is four marks called exit. Once you mark all four spots of that progress track, you will have found a thin zone and I will let you punch through without a roll. The second track is a danger track that will be eight marks long and it is called peel back. 
Mm. Now, peel back is what happens when you're out of your home dimension for too long, or if you're put in particularly strenuous circumstances. It is where you are um, pretty violently snapped back to your own dimension. The priority is kind of getting you back home, even if you're not back home in one sound logical piece. So it is an extremely unpleasant experience in the Slug Blaster world, and something you want to avoid as much as possible. And all of you are starting to feel this strain, picking your cells apart a little bit, and trying to pull you back uh, out of this dimension and back to Operablum slash not Operablum. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking mm. about. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, so, if the peelback danger track is fully marked, you're all snapping back. You're all going to be violently yanked out of this dimension. And I will say, a uh, uh, bit of a bit of some challenge in this run. Any problem that you roll is going to mark that track. <laughs> like mixed successes mark it too. Mixed successes will also mark this track. So. You do only have four spots of the progress track to mark, so you might find a thin zone in relatively short order here. And who knows, maybe you might even want to push your luck and see how long you can stay in Empyrean. But remember, every problem will mark this danger track, and once it's fully marked, y'all are snapping back home. Lena? Yes, Glenna? In my other gear, I have something that is just nebulously titled, Something You Shouldn't Have. Mmm, yes! <laughs> Uh, once upon a time, you used that to have a, an illicit address to a tower that was not Lansden. What do you have now? I'm just wondering what would happen if I had a logic binder. I would need you to tell me how you got that bad boy. Well, we have established that Brinley has no qualms about uh, picking up things that fall off the back of a hover truck. Vis-a-vis <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. -vis the gravity blaster. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So I think she was over in Kindred looking for, uh, like, books or something for her little sister and happened upon a I'm, – I'm picturing, like, a travel booth. Okay. Like, one of those travel agencies where there's, like, pamphlets and souvenirs and things from all these different places, but for dimension hopping. Okay. And there might be uh, a display-only logic binder. That Brinley straight up swiped? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the old five-finger gravity gauntlet discount. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, on her way out, she might have just like, whoop. I'm just going to write a little something in my GM notes. No reason. No reason. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, because maybe it's also, like, if it's if it's from a travel agency, it's like, you know, the headphones that you might buy on a plane where, like, yeah, they're they're <laughs> fine for now if you don't have headphones and you need to watch the movie on the plane, but like they're probably not the best quality headphones if an airplane <laughs> is selling them for super cheap. And maybe it's the same with the logic binder where like, yeah, it'll bind your logic for now. Like it's it does a good enough job, but like yeah. maybe you don't want to push it kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it'll bind your logic in Empyrean, but do not bring it to Quahalia. <laughs> <laughs> it will tear you to shreds and then reassemble you and tear you up again. Um yeah, okay. I will let you have this logic binder. Uh I do like the idea that it is limited to one. Yes. My thought is that they can share it like one single uh, scuba pack underwater <laughs> where they just pass it around so that everyone has enough cognizance to 
stumble forward. Uh, okay, perfect. Whoever is wearing the logic binder when you mark your whole track will not peel back. (laughs) 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 I love this. Uh, uh, so do you wear it first then? I think so, yes. All right, you put on this logic binder and suddenly it all makes sense. Of course, you're in Empyrean. It is the, uh... Ribbon paradise of changing skyscapes and landscapes, uh, incredible wildlife, uh, basically the uh, full antithesis of Operablum. There's ground here, what the heck? Um, and um, at least as far as you can see, no structure in sight, let alone giant corporate megatower. Uh, Bryn, as you're looking around, I think you you see... Each of probably all of us having uh, little mini freakouts as we're trying to get a grasp on where we are, and Maeve is just looking at all four of her hands and kind of moving them in front of her face, and is like, "How many hands do I have? This is too many. I think <laughs> this is too many hands to have. It's a bad number." And she's just kind of moving them around. And I'm, I'm doing it in the room and no one can see it. But I don't care. <laughs> uh, Helix is slack-jawed, grinning, almost drooling, and, like, chuckling to himself. Um, from his perspective, this it's his, the way his brain is trying to, like, make sense of it um, is sort of forcing it into things he's seen in, like, uh, animated... Um, programming, uh, whatever the, the Operablum equivalent of, like, a Looney Tunes cartoon is. Yeah. Um, and he's loving it almost kind of uncontrollably, like, chuckling, laughing to himself. Um, cause he's, he's the smarts playbook, you know, uh, the world makes sense to him. He's, he's been bred for the world to make sense to him. And nothing here seems to make sense. Uh, ignorance is bliss, and he's sort of relishing in having just about everything around him be out of his depth. Um, you, you'd think it would be scary. You'd think it would be a form of uh, di- uncontrolled, but he's just like, <laughs> look at it. <laughs> the flowers, the flowers grow. They smi- they're smiling at the sun. Of course flowers smile at the sun. Flowers love sun. <laughs> he's like waving at some flowers and they're all smiling. He's waving at the sun. It's smiling. Um, yeah, he's, he's kind of enjoying being stupefied. <laughs> Walt is just lying on the ground, uh, making some grass angels in, in the turquoise grass, <laughs> and just like staring up at the sky. And it feels like the grass keeps growing higher and higher around around him. And he's just going to make an infinitely deep grass angel here in the grass. <laughs> <laughs> Walt is touching some grass. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of like how this is affecting uh, Trev. For I'm, I'm thinking it doesn't. The, the issue here is probably affecting him different than the rest of y'all. I think what's – he may even be operating normally because I'm thinking physics still works essentially the same sort of in this place. Sort of? It's a floating ribbon with no uh, – uh, uh, Up or down? Yeah, kind of. The physics are a little wishy-washy. It's a little hard to parse. <laughs> no, that's fair. Uh, so I, I think he's still operating – uh, normally, the problem is all of his sensors are giving him conflicting information. So it's actually like he might just be kind of like unable to really uh, know wh- what's happening. Uh, mm. Like he can't because normally you'd get oh the 
as he's scanning around visually, uh, he would normally be able to process things, uh, but he can't process it. So I think he's just kind of like twitching, sort of, as he's like looking, trying to like process, process, like looking, and and he just can't uh, quite do it. And like, you know, his programming will kind of adjust it, uh, you know, allow him to do certain things. But right now, he's still. Uh, trying to make make sense of things, and he can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a Roomba once that broke, and it would just you turn you turn it on, it would do its Roomba thing for five minutes, and then it would just start going in a circle because the sensors had given off, and it was yeah, yeah, <laughs> like an elderly pet, like it just didn't really know how to like <laughs> orientate yes. itself. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of wandering, yeah. <laughs> So, so Bryn, you see uh, Trev for uh, uh, moving in a tight circle, uh, uh, constantly stopping and starting, but always moving in a circle. Uh, uh, Helix is just looking around and and, and laughing uncontrollably. <laughs> uh, Maeve is staring at her hands, and Walt is actually kind of getting swallowed up by the grass. <laughs> You're losing sight of him. Oh no! Hey gang, everybody, what's going on? We gotta. Um, farts. Brinley, how many hands do you have? Is it, it looks like you have the right number. Well, yeah, but that's because I'm from Operablum and you're from Thenispar. Right. Right. Where are we now? We're, well, I think, Empyrean? I think that, like, snaps something in, in Maeve's brain to attention and she's like, right, okay. Oh, God, we don't have logic binders, and oh, no. All right, we need to focus. We need to get out of here. I need to stop thinking about how many hands I have, although it is just so many. Is this too many to have? I feel like it's too many. <laughs> no, hang on. We got to get these guys. We got to snap everyone else. Uh, and she runs over. I think she goes towards Walt and then realizes that she just recently, like, had her hands on him and felt weird about it and is like, Helix, Helix, snap out of it, buddy! Come on, and starts like snapping uh, all four fing- all four hands worth of fingers in his face. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to touch Walt right now because that's too many hands, and it's it would your uh, brain would explode probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Too many hands. That's like two times the embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's snapping her fingers in Helix's face, trying to get your attention. Uh, uh, he he reaches. He's got his um. He's got his board on his wrist. Right. I've established yeah. it's a circle that can strip. He reaches behind his back, even though he doesn't need to do that to activate it. Activates something with his hands, like, o- over his shoulders and behind his back. Uh, and just whispers to himself, um, activate X-axis sledgehammer. And, like, a cartoon pulls a big... S- In his mind, he's pulling a big sledgehammer out from behind his back. But really, he's just sort of fashioned his board into a hammer shape. Like, a, like almost mm-hmm. like a... <laughs> Um, and, and is about to, like, bonk you on the head with it, cartoon style, before he's, he's finally, he's like, wait, whoa, whoa, it's, it's, it's Maybelline, sorry. Uh, you, you, you look like some sort of threatening Elmer Fudd-esque. <laughs> Felix, we, we need you, buddy. You're the smartest one in the crew, and we gotta get out of here. We're in Empyrean. You, you know Empyrean, right? Because you, you know everything. Please, you have to know everything. That's that's what you do. Yeah, he he shakes it a bit, shakes his head a bit. Uh, it goes a little less Looney Tunes, a little more like Fleischer. Uh, yeah. And he, he sort of like <laughs> grounds himself. He's like, okay, I think we're we're good. But he is gonna keep his um 
his board in a uh, sort of a Warhammer shape. Um, yeah. And I've described before, it's always in two dimensions. Uh-huh. Uh, they're never like, it's never three dimensions. So it, it, I guess it almost looks more like an axe than a hammer. But yeah. nonetheless, he's 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 <laughs> holding a big, in, in his mind, like a big Looney Tunes hammer. And, and But has his bearings a little more to try to push through. Yeah. In fact, you're pretty sure you know exactly where to go. Uh, you just have to find the right way to get there. Uh, and it's going to be a whole Narnia-esque adventure. And the problem with this kind of place is that when you run, you always run slower than you think you're going to go. Mm. But you're pretty sure you know where that you're going to go. <laughs> Your logic is sound here. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Trav is still moving in a circle. Bryn hears Maeve say the words, you're the smart one. And she's kind of like, oh, obviously. And goes over to Helix and like, rips the logic binders off of her head and jams them on his head. (laughs) What's Bryn's trip? Um, I think the second she does, everything gets real slow (laughs) and everything gets real... um, I think it's like she's moving through molasses and she can't quite get her hands (laughs) to go the way... She wants them to. <laughs> Bryn, 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 stay with me. Stay with me now. What was that? What did you put on Helix there? What are we doing? Is that well, a... Did you have a logic binder? Yeah. Bryn, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, he's... He's the smart one, right? Oh. Yeah. No, good thinking. I mean, maybe you're the smart one now Now that I think... Whoa. Whoa. What if we're all the smart one? <laughs> what if none of us are the... No, come on. Focus. Uh, you wanna you wanna go wake up Walt, get him out of the grass there. Wait, where did he go? Scampy, gotta check this out. Scampy can go make a grass angel. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, Maeve's gonna make her way over to uh, Trev Four and hopes that Brindley will deal with Walton because she's not ready to deal with her emotions in this logicless space. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to having the logic binder on, um, Helix sort of continues to, to calibrate his, his perception. So like I said, it goes from a Looney Tunes cartoon to like old Superman Fleischer, uh, not, not the Betty Boop Fleischer cartoons, the, the old Superman ones, clicks it like again, and it goes to like a Miyazaki, like nice anime. And then finally it's, it's, he can kind of see, uh, almost like, um, the, the eye doctor, like one, mm. two, one, two, but it's bouncing yeah. between like. Ren and Stimpy and (laughs) and anime and he's like okay uh okay uh shit um and I think I'm just going to uh try to see if there's anything like I don't have any abilities or anything that let me zero in on uh so yeah I think part of this is going to be you know finding your way sort of through Empyrean, uh probably similar to how you uh broke in from Prismatia um Trev 4 kind of has the software that if he gets close enough, you can tell that there's a thin zone, um, and your advanced portal tech can sort of help you punch through, uh, even though you don't have the the precision of the space-time ampimeter. So it's gonna be a little bit of a sweep, and hoping you don't come across anything, uh, you know, too deadly. Uh, And as you think, you, you try to take a couple deep breaths, now that, you know, you've kind of got your wits about you thanks to uh, Brinley's uh, ill-gotten logic binder and you start to feel really calm and then you feel a little too calm and Brinley uh, you approach 
uh, Walton. And as you start to pull the the grass away from him, because it actually was kind of closing around him and sort of wrapping him up. Um, and so you start pulling the grass away and then it kind of starts wrapping around your hands a little bit and it smells so good. It just smells so nice that you could just curl up in it and have a little nap. And Walton, you're getting really sleepy as well. Like the grass is growing higher and higher and it's so nice and you're just gonna be lulled away. And and Helix, you realize that the area you're in, the, the grass and flowers of this place is actually quite potent and fragrant. Uh, and if you're not careful, Y'all could just fall asleep on the spot. Friends, we need to vacate this location. Uh, there's there's certain potent uh, uh, scents and, and pollen and, and things coming off of this uh, f- flora that uh, could be uh, dangerous to us. So uh, if, if everyone is able to, we, we need to mobilize. Yeah. Right. Check. Uh, and Maeve has made her way over to Trev. Debates like... Like, she wants to slap him across the face to try and snap him out of it, but also is like, he's a robot, he's not gonna, like, feel a slap on the face, and is kind of debating what to do, and ultimately just, like, grabs Trev's head and, like, whips it to try and basically, like, spin it around in a full 360 uh, to see if that (laughs) pulls him out of it. Um, Dave, you can tell me if it does or not, but that's... She grabs your head and spins it unless you stop her. (laughs) Uh, I I don't think it's... You necessarily get any resistance. It just it goes around. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think you're probably going to have to guide Trev. I, I like to me. I, I don't know if Trev can just. You're pretty sure your prime directive is just spinning now. Maybelline seems to have reinforced this idea for you. And I will say that maybe Trev, because you said you keep stepping forward with your right foot, and that's what's sort of sending you in this circle, yeah. uh, the tall grass has started twisting around your left leg and is sort sure. of getting higher and higher. So you're a little bit tangled too and, and yeah. may need to be uh, released from this grasp. Fair enough, yeah. Maeve tries spinning your head a couple more times, gets a little bit distracted by that, and then snaps <laughs> to you again and is like, right, right, and just sort of grabs you with all four hands and, like, begins physically dragging you forward out of the grass. All right, so you are in this field of tall, fragrant, uh, sleep-inducing grass, uh, and uh, this is your first obstacle that you need to clear. The The grass starts to turn from sea foam to orange, and the sky uh, melts into this, like, deep green hue. Uh, and yeah, for this, I would like a roll from somebody. Uh, yeah, I think I've got the logic binders on, and I've, I've got access to our crew's advanced portaling gear. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, uh, yeah, I'm just going to try to roll to see if we can perceive uh, our next sort of leg of this exit. And I'd like to use uh, um, pool from my attitude, so my, my playbook. So you're rolling with 2d6 and basically you're trying to, I, I mean, are you kind of like looking around and using the tech? Are you trying to rally the crew to get them out of this field? I was going to look around using the tech to try to find where we go next and leave it to them to pull themselves out of the touchy grass. <laughs> Sure. Okay. I like this. I'll I'll let it mark the track. Yeah, there's no point running away if we don't know where we're running to, so. Sure. Yeah. Sounds like a very smart uh, move, so. All right. Uh, let me just calibrate this here, see if I can find where we're going. Ooh, that's a six. It's a six. A one and a six. <laughs> Incredible. So not only do you succeed at marking the progress track, you don't mark the danger track. Hooray. And what do I see? Hmm. 
I think you figure out, because you're on a big wide ribbon, right? It extends mm-hmm. out in front of you and extends out behind you. I think you are able to figure out that you do need to go at forward, more or less. Forward relative to Helix, I suppose. Um, it's constantly forward or backward relative to Trev. So we'll, we'll keep it in Helix's perspective for now. And you kind of also know which way to sort of like go widthwise of this ribbon. And it's going to sort of take you uh, along the these sort of hills and valleys that are kind of rises and falls of this ribbon. Uh, there are a couple of like wispy little trees and there's even like a bit of a rock bank uh, with like this creek running alongside it. Um, so you kind of have your landmark for where you need to go next uh, along with several things you could potentially hoverboard jump off of if that's your steez. <laughs> Friends, I can see a rock formation uh, adjacent to a creek off in the distance. Um, I'm, I'm reluctant to call it forward because it looks like we're standing on an Ouroboros, but uh, let's let's refer to it as that a ways and points to the rock formation. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone, you all know to go that a ways. Uh, Maeve grabs uh, Trev by the shoulders and starts maneuvering him in that direction. Um, and I think she's having trouble uh, just like. I, I think Trev is pretty solid and, uh, mm. you know, he's made of metal and whatnot. And if he's got his mind on going in a tight circle, um, it's probably hard to maneuver him to do otherwise. Um, I think I actually want to try rolling to see if I can uh, reorient Trev into something a little more manageable. If I can, like, load him up like uh, C-3PO in a backpack or uh, <laughs> hop on his shoulders and ride him uh, like Yoda. It's all Star Wars references. Um, how many more can I make? I'll pick him up over my head like a Tusken Raider, shake him up and down. Something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, find some way of transporting him that isn't just shoving him because that doesn't seem to be working. Um okay. And I'll let you decide if that's, you know, marking our progress track towards our ultimate goal or not. Because <laughs> I feel like it's more just a short-term convenience factor. Um, but uh, either way, I'd like to make that roll if you'll allow it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll allow it. Um, sweet. Do we want to... Should it be a contested roll between me and Dave? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, like, so- I know you're not actively contesting me, but, like, you're subconsciously working against me? <laughs> I, I suppose so. Um, I like the idea of a flat one, like, 1d6 versus 1d6, and we'll see what happens. Oh yeah, God. just whoever rolls higher throws successes and failures out for this. Sure, yeah. I like this. <laughs> okay, I rolled a three. That's a six, baby! All right. <laughs> if Trev had won, I would have definitely thrown some complications your way. But I think this action was initiated by Maeve. So, uh, yes, you are able to uh, use whatever Star Wars reference uh, tickles you the most uh, to free <laughs> Trev for from uh, his little uh, grassy uh, anklet that he had wrapped around himself. <laughs> I like the idea of like, it's not, you know, because he's not broken into pieces, so it's not like carrying him in a backpack, but it's like, maybe she just like, he's not putting up a ton of resistance and she like folds him into a bit of a makeshift backpack and just like, she's got, you know, four arms, uh, two of them can be kind of gripping him 
through his, like, she's folded his legs up into makeshift backpack straps and is gripping those and then has two forearms free to still, like, interact with shit. Uh, but, yeah, just essentially wearing Trev like a backpack and is like, all right, let's go. Uh, begins moving to, in the direction that Helix indicated. Uh, Trev 4, thank God, you finally have a Prime Directive, and the Prime Directive is to be a backpack. And of course, a backpack is <laughs> the most productive thing to be here on the plane of Empyrean. Uh, so not only are you a backpack, you are the very best backpack. Congratulations. Oh, amazing. <laughs> uh, Brain, I think you were going to free Walt. I, I was going to try and free Walt. I don't... Hmm. hmm. What would Bryn do? What would a logic scrambled Bryn do? I think she's like, well, okay, that way. That way is like... Up. <laughs> okay. Walt, okay, and she grabs his hand with her uh, left hand, and with her mm. right hand is going to use her impulse rig to launch them high in the air. <laughs> 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 Away from the grass. Uh, Very good. <laughs> Very. <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to roll. Walt, you can decide if, if you can help, if you want to help or not, or if you're happy where you are, I guess. Oh, uh, as the attitude, I don't really have dice that I can share. Oh, that's so true. You're way too chill to I help think, out. Yeah, uh, I'm just, I'm just really enjoying this grass. <laughs> we don't have that much grass in Upper <laughs> That's true. Uh, I will add a d6 from uh, my gravity blaster. Mm-hmm. And would she? Like, mechanically, I would love to do a trick, but... Oh, please do a trick. <laughs> yeah, sure, let's do a trick. Yes! Uh, because of show-off, you get plus 1d6 when you do a trick. You can't, just can't help it. The spotlight loves you. Sounds like a plan. This sounds like we've got 3d6 on this roll. 3d6. Okay. Uh, that's a five. A mixed success. And you did a trick. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, you know what? Describe launching yourself and Walt, um, and, um, describe this trick. Um, I think it's... How does this work? Uh, dream logic. It's how it works. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the... She launches sort of backwards and arches her back and does, like, a slow-mo, uh, matrix bullet dodge in the air. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because everything is so slow for her like it's really hard for her to move mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everything seems slow to you but in fact it very much is not this is a success so I will go ahead and mark your progress track two spots have been marked you have two to go there was a mix so I am marking a spot on the danger track one spot has been marked currently um, in addition Everything feels like it's moving slow for Brinley, but you're actually moving really quickly. Hmm. And you do manage to pull Walt out of this grass and launch both of you high in the air. And as you uh, move back to bullet dodge, you accidentally fling um, and Walt goes flying. Oh no! <laughs> 
much farther than you anticipated him going. <laughs> yes. I'm soaring like a real angel. <laughs> he goes flying through the, the sky that is slowly lightening from dark green to chartreuse um, and lands with a splash on the cr- in the creek in the distance. Uh, Walt, I'm not going to give you a slam, but you are very much separated from this crew. No. And with everyone's <laughs> logic the way that it is, this might not be very good. <laughs> is uh, Did he get flung... In the direction we're heading that Helix said to go, or the opposite direction, or do we know? Because, like, like, are, are we even aware? Oh, you're pretty sure he got flung that away, which is really convenient. Oh, very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I will say that all of you have managed to escape this sleepy grass field. Um, <laughs> you kind of like come up to like a ridge of this uh, ribbon uh, that ha- kind of like dips and rises in these hills and valleys with these little trees dotted alongside and the creek running along. Uh, Wolf is quite far down this creek at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I will say, uh, because of course, uh, we still have some spots to go on the progress track, uh, uh, Trev, for, uh, you're not pinging, um, you, you don't sense a thin zone, um, and what good would a thin zone be to a backpack anyway? Who knows, but, um, everyone seems really adamant on going that away, so as long as you can stay a backpack, you're, you're, you're good to go. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good, good. Good quagmire. <laughs> um, Maeve is struggling to focus. She knows that we need to get out of here, um, but she watched Brinley launch herself in the air and fling Walt, and she can feel the the cracks beginning to form in her determination here, and she's... Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make a roll to just sort of, like, push through this and and navigate the next part of the train here. Uh, can you describe again, like, what is the, the next chunk of ribbon in front of us look like? It, it's, like, the ground is a big, long, winding strip um, floating in, in the void. What does the next portion of it look like? Uh, yeah, it's sort of, like, rippling along. It's mostly rippling up and down to create this sort of hills and valleys effect. Um, uh, the creek is following along. Somehow, it goes up and it goes down. Uh, and then it tumbles over the side in a waterfall, um... That just, like, goes off into oblivion and also kind of, like, reconnects a little bit further up as, like, part of the ribbon curves up and over. Yeah, I think uh, Maeve's way of making sense of this place and, and pushing through this uh, sort of mounting panic is to to do what makes sense to her and to to go with what, what she's best at. Uh, so she kicks off on her hoverboard and is just going to attempt to... Uh, navigate this next section and maybe even take some sick jumps off of these uh, bends in the in the ribbon of uh, landscape. Try and try and get some air off of these. Uh, maybe jump over the river if she can manage it. Uh, so yeah, I want to make a roll. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I am going to add just one d six from my attitude. Oh. I feel like Maeve would add a kick to try and get through the progress track faster that would be in character um but robin is loving these complications <laughs> and luckily uh someone snagged my kick earlier to fight some grasshoppers so i have no kick to add which is fine no. by me because uh, i i want to spend some more time in Empyrean. um so this all works out so i'm rolling 2d6 about it okay 
We got a two and a three. A two and a three. <laughs> Um, did you say you were doing a trick? Uh, I did, yeah. Taking okay. some jumps off of the uh, off of the landscape, yes. Cool, 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 so cool, that, cool. Uh, that doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> and also it makes my problems worse, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it sure does. Um, uh, what, what kind of trick were you trying to do? <laughs> hmm, like I think uh, I'm, I'm all about forward momentum and trying to get where I'm going. So like I, I'm taking a jump off of uh, one of the the ripples in the landscape, uh, maybe just doing like a grab, like uh, n- nothing fancy, nothing that's gonna slow her down, but just like trying to do a tail grab, maybe. <laughs> okay, so this is really dumb, um, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know when you're playing uh, Tony Hawk, uh, uh, yeah. as you do, and you like jump off the ramp, but then you hit a button wrong and you stall on the side of the ramp, and you didn't mean to do that. Yeah, <laughs> y- you do that. <laughs> <laughs> but you absolutely expected to, like, you know, vault up into the air, but something about the jump just, you push the wrong button. What? Who knows? Uh, and you stall, and then you completely biff it and tumble down into a valley. Okay. Uh, this is going to, of course, uh, mark uh, another spot on the danger track. Uh, and I think what I'm going to say, uh, you're not going to take a slam. Uh, you, you tumble down and like sort of crash into, um, what, what seems like a a weird bump in the valley. Like it's weird that there's a hill at the bottom of the valley. Um, I love doing this bit. Uh, but then it sort of gets up (laughs) and stretches (laughs) and arches its big back and this like, uh, cat, this kitty cat, um, <laughs> that is blue and the size of an elephant, uh, kind of shakes off and wakes up, um, and <laughs> turns to look at you. I like the idea to, like, crashed into what I thought was a bum in the landscape, and then it's an elephant-sized creature. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Maeve, get your head on straight. It's um, a big bump, like, but also yeah, no, I by bump you. standards. But how big does a bump actually get? Hang on. <laughs> yeah. Focus, focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Focus, um, focus. I think she looks up at this creature and starts making the same noise that Trev is making on her back. Hello, beloved listeners. It's me, Lena, your Slugmaster Game Blaster, wanting to thank you so, so much for listening to this episode of Quantum Kickflip. How you doing? Empyrean treating you okay? You've all got your logic binders on, right? You've all left a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice for Quantum Kickflip, right? Good, good. Happy to hear it. Hey, maybe you're doing some holiday shopping right now and you're looking for some gifts for your gamer friends. Why not get them a copy of Slug Blaster? The book is absolutely beautiful, the game is so, so much fun, and you can find the link to the Slug Blaster store in the show notes of this episode. So do not wait, get your holiday shopping done, fam! We are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow us for new episode updates, audiograms, and more. You can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, as well as bi-weekly bonus content like outtakes and our session zero. That's patreon.com slash quantum kickflip. 
I'd like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. Check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, who have a ton of amazing, locally-made shows over at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the next chapter of this wacky adventure on Wednesday, December 28th. We're going to get you folks right back to the action, but first, here's Brayton with a word from our sponsors. Greetings, I am Break Response 8 Neurobot. The other NPCs have all gone on break, and so it is my duty to read to you the ads from our sponsors. This episode of Quantum Kickflip is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you are calm and collected with your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online at any time on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Oh, that will be the life to be a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day. I can only dream. This episode of Quantum Kickflip is also brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you are choosing a positive local business, plus Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner Chris Kazowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it is a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. When I am the business owner of the bot shop, perhaps I shall ask Kindred Corporation what shopping local is, and if we can implement the practice, I'm sure the monopolizing mega corporation will be very open to the idea. That is all for me. The break is over, and you must now go back to the action. Goodbye. Who's got to play? Walt, you're in a creek really far away. Do you... How, how are you? How are you feeling? Um... I uh, did... How did I fall? I'm, I'm, like, in the middle of the creek? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, mm. And it's like... Um, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> again, dream logic. Uh, you, like, crash through and it's very deep. Um, mm. So, uh, of course, as uh, always happens when you fall into water from a great height, you are not hurt at all. Um, <laughs> and you get up to the surface and you break through the surface and then you stand up. Um, so maybe it wasn't that deep, but also it was because you did not get hurt. Um, <laughs> but you do probably need to like get your footing a little bit better to make sure you don't tumble uh, off, uh, get uh, like fully carried by the current and like tumble off the side of the ribbon. So you can stand up, but also maybe you don't want to be in this creek, uh, just like just just like you were in the grass, you know. I'm almost wondering in this like the instance of being here without the logic binder. Uh, Walt, as the chill, is maybe pretty susceptible to this. Oh, yeah. Just like, oh, things aren't making sense. That's fine, though. Like, it'll work itself out. 
<laughs> and he's kind of <laughs> a, a little too chill to really take agency here. Um, this this might be a weird offer. Is it weird if I just like continue to lay in the creek and like roll over face down <laughs> into the water of the creek? Walt Walt's really thrown out by this. I'm leading up to something. I'm leading up to something with it. Okay, okay. Um, You're gonna tumble over the side if you don't roll about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Like, roll to get out of the creek. You don't need to roll to stay in the creek. You can stay in the creek if you want, but you are gonna tumble over the side, but that sounds fine. <sighs> Walt's never been swimming, and this does feel very relaxing. Mm-hmm. Uh... But there is there is an inherent peril in this. Yes. And uh, I think something that, that Walt had just done prior to being launched uh, was releasing Scampy Q. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, this is something that I'm, I'm going to take a little shot at. I think Walt still has the Daiba Vice in his hand. And despite being in this weird sort of spaced out chill... There is some sort of underlying something spark that is just like, oh no, I'm in trouble. And I am going to use Button Masher, uh-huh. Mark 1 Turbo, to use a locked mod for the length of one action. Potential problems are worse. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, and by marking Turbo, uh, I'm just going to mark one off from there. The mod that I'm actually trying to unlock is called Neural Network. Oh. Your robot now has the intelligence, communication skills, and common sense of a human child and grows smarter and more independent each day. Okay. And since this is, uh, normally that would be like a very big upgrade sort of one, uh, since it's only being used for the length of an action, I think it's just going to kick in and I'm going to manifest that through Scampykin data searching. <laughs> All right. What is data surging, Michael? <laughs> uh, in Daibokin just being <laughs> Digimon, essentially, this is Digivolving. Ah. This is, this is we, we've talked about before having a specific Daibovice with data search capabilities. And normally that would be, if I had to like fully pay for this upgrade, that's what that would entail. But I think there's something something special about, about the bond between Walt and Scampykin. They're just like, he really cares for him. They've, he's always been taking care of him. He always like paid attention to that digital pet side really well. And this is manifesting for the momentary ability to essentially digivolve and be able to help him out of this creek. <laughs> okay. I love this. Here's what I'm going to say. Uh, I, I think what's going to happen is I will let Scampykin data search. Um, and this maneuver to save Walt from the creek is going to require a roll, which you can use your 2d6 chill with, even though Scampykin is kind of the entity making the roll at this point. Ooh, I'm down for that. All right. Let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. So I think that I'll roll with the 2d6. I will add, uh, a die from the normal robot companion turbo. So I'll be rolling, uh, 3d6. I don't really think I could pull a trick on this. I don't know how that would exactly work. I mean, does Scampykin uh, so look roll. really cool when he data searches? Maybe. Oh, maybe it does. <laughs> uh, you know what? When you phrase it like that, check it. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Two failures and a six. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Paint us this word picture. 
Uh, so after Wold is flung, Scampykin just immediately jetted off from the grassland area ahead, uh, zooming across the plain of, of, of this winding grass ribbon down toward the creek. Uh, leaving a stream of uh, bubbles behind as he jets forward. And the yellow Daibo vice in Wolt's hand begins to glow, and the, and the screen kind of lights up. And at the same time, Scampykin takes over the... His whole body begins to glow in this same yellow, enveloping the form in a, in a shining light. Uh, and <laughs> much like classic 90s Digimon, we're transported into uh, a sort of uh, transformation sequence in which we <laughs> see Scampykin sort of floating there, spinning on the spot. And we hear... Scampykin, better search to Carcinokin! <laughs> and emerging from this yellow light, leaping forward into the uh, the waters of this creek, is Carcinokin. Uh, Scampykin's data-surged evolution form, the next step up. He looks like uh, a little orange crab with two big claws and four legs, uh, and he's got, uh, oh, it almost looks like he's got goggles over his eyes, <laughs> is kind of the design of it. <laughs> And he lands with a splash in the creek, manages to hoist uh, Walt up, uh, by gripping him by his shoulders with the claws. Now, now, Walton! Now isn't the time for a swim! Your companions need you on this adventure! <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, he's able to, once he has gripped him, he uses the other claw and uh, to generate an, a new, uh, stronger bubble jet that launches them back towards the uh, shore of the creek. Uh. <laughs> Scabby? Scabby, what, what's going on? You can actually call me Carcinokin now. We are still one and the same, but, well, you've helped me to grow, Walton. You're, you're Scampy, but you're all crab, <laughs> and, oh, the logic really isn't working on this one for me. Do all shrimps grow up into crabs? <laughs> This is not knowledge that I have. <laughs> As you're having a conversation um, with your uh, newly transformed Daibokin, um, we are uh, going to go back uh, a little bit uh, further uh, back this away on the ribbon uh, to Helix, Trev, uh, Maybelline, and Brinley. Um, two of you are currently uh, about to be uh, swiped and pawed by a big old cat. Um, and, uh, Helix and Bryn, you are, uh, watching this unfold while also being momentarily distracted by a transformation sequence over here, but then you snap back and everything <laughs> is good and you're back in focus. Uh, what do you do? Glenna, do you have an offer? Otherwise I have some questions. Go and for it. Offer. Go for it. Um, so it, who's about to get swiped by a cat? Trev and... Trev and uh, Maybelline, because Trev is on Maeve's back. Yeah, I think I established that I had turned my um, uh, hoverboard into a giant hammer. I want to pay that off. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just going to take a big, big swing at the cat uh, to try to shoo it away. I think uh, we, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to like actually crush it and hurt it, but mm -hmm. like a shoo, shoo kind of motion by swinging a, a hammer at it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to add some kick because uh, I would also. My before this cat got involved, my instinct was to give the logic binder to Trev because I can see how much they're both struggling. Oh yeah, um, and I kind of like this hot, but this idea of like we all take a turn yes. having some of our logic binding. So <laughs> I am going to add a kick mm -hmm. uh, from my my turbo pool on my hard light board. Okay, um, where I wanna I wanna try to swing swing to get the cat away and toss the uh, logic binders over to Trev. Okay. Uh, I love that. So, uh, uh, 
Help me out. You've got a kick on this. What else did you add? That's it. One die. Here we go. One die, one kick. Oh, my God. Oh okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> eh, I better add a D6. I'm going to add a turbo from my... Oh, okay. You're scaring <laughs> me. <laughs> um. Yeah, there's no way to really do a trick for this, so I think I'm just going to have to... He's not. It is not a fancy move, so yeah. Shh. Go on, get back, you beast, back. And he swings the, the hammer uh, with one hand and then throws the logic binder with the other. Oh, that's a six. Yeah! <laughs> a Incredible. three and a six. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so you uh, are, are swinging your, your hammer uh, towards this cat. Uh, its eyes go real big, and it like... Uh, uh, looks like it's gonna bat at your hammer for a moment, and then just like it gets a bad case of the zoomies and just bolts uh, way far that away uh, <laughs> on the ribbon, um, leaving uh, Maeve and Trev for safe. Uh, and uh, describe this sick move of you passing off the logic binder. Yeah, I think it's it's one hand backwards with the logic binder where he's trying to be like, take it, grab it, grab this from my hand, and then his other his right arm is extended swinging uh, a, a war hammer the size of a, of a snowboard, um, but also very light because it's made out of light. Mm-hmm. So it's literally light. Mm-hmm. It is light and light. <laughs> oh, um, and everything is made out of light when you think about it, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing Lena, touches. truly the highest one in this dimension. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I, hang on. <laughs> I, I suppose he has to take the, the logic binders off. Um, and so when he pulls the logic binder off, his hammer turns back into that big kind of cartoony hammer. Yeah. Uh, and even though it doesn't literally have that, um, he sees it as having some sort of like swaying elasticity, mm. uh, like, like, like the, you know, the, the arm of the hammer bends and the, the, the top of the hammer, you know, curls back and then springs forward as he swings. Um, it doesn't actually have that elasticity, but that's what he he sort of sees it as now that he's got <laughs> the logic binders off. And hopefully, with my six and my kick, uh, it makes it over to Trev, and Trev can get his uh, shit in order. Oh, thank God, Trev, for you've been given a prime directive, finally. You didn't know how much longer you could be a backpack, but your prime directive is now take this logic binder and put it on. It is the most important thing you need to do. And... Uh... Because I think the logic binder is a thing that actually makes sense, it might be something you can recognize, it, like as an object that's holding itself kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think um, how it might work uh, is that there's like probably some sort of attachment set that holds um, onto the person's back of their head. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking that... There's also going to be a port on this logic binder, and so he uh, reaches kind of behind him and puts it into that port that's in his back, that where he gets all his updates and everything. It's it's acting on that port, and uh, uh, and now that I kind of aware of like I'm being uh, you know folded up like a backpack and uh, realizing that he's never had a directive of being a backpack, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just like. You know, Correcting everything kind of uh, ramps up. Uh, he uh, gets off of the back of uh, Maybelline, and uh, I kind of uh, am aware that we're in a, a in a uh, terrible space. So I think he immediately starts uh, winding up the thing, like looking for a way out. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to add a kick once again for my hyper optic visor. 
Okay. I'm going. Uh, I'm, this time I am going to use a turbo. Uh, I like a, uh, an extra die from that. And I will say that as you're, because you're you're basically looking for that thin zone. Yes. What I will say is, you know, it's not here. You do mm. need to keep progressing forward, so there is some forward momentum to this roll. Let's see. Okay, uh, that's a five. Okay. Uh, and that's with it a kick on on there. So that is with a kick. Okay, then you make your way forward, and uh, you get the sense of it being a little bit thin. Uh, where you actually, what you're actually going to do is you're going to sort of crest up over one ridge, and I think you do make your way past Walt. Um, so I will say that, that Walt does have the opportunity to join up with all of you again. Um, as you sort of crest up over this ridge, you find yourself in sort of a wide meadow, and bits of the ribbon are sort of branching off at this point, uh, and sort of spiraling and corkscrewing down off the side. Um, and to everyone else, it probably looks absolutely bonkers. Um, but... Trev, you can sort of make sense of what's happening here. Um, in the center uh, of this meadow with these like spiraling corkscrewing bits of ribbon that are going up and down and all around, uh, you can sense that that's where the reality is thinnest. That's where you can punch through. Again, you don't have a space-time amphimeter. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where this thin zone's going to take you, but it is a way out. Um, because you marked, uh, you uh, added a kick, we will mark all the spots on your progress track. You have your way out. It was a mixed success, so there is one more mark on the danger track. So that's three down. You still have L back on peel back. Um, <laughs> so, you know, as long as you make your egress quickly or, you know, in a medium amount of time, you're probably fine. Um, the other complication that I'm going to sort of throw at you here is... Mm. This meadow is not uh, completely uninhabited. Uh, in fact, you hear this sort of rumbling and coming up over uh, a ridge on the ribbon of the other side is this like stampeding herd of uh, everyone, the most beautiful creatures you have ever seen. Oh my God. They're charging on these four uh, hooves and they have, they're just like these muscular sort of creatures with long necks and long faces and like short hair all around, but also a long mane going down the end of their long, long necks and this long flowing tail of hair that's rippling out. And there are these beautiful pastel uh, colors mm -hmm. as they're uh, stampeding down. And oh my God, they're so beautiful, you guys. <laughs> what? What are they? Horses. <laughs> <laughs> They're pastel horses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Maeve catches a glimpse of these these beautiful beautiful creatures they're god they're gorgeous um but she's having a hard time because when the cat was in front of them she put her hands up to sort of like try and protect herself 
and then her hands started branching out and multiplying uh, like a cool Doctor Strange visual uh, yes. where she's just like every time she moves her arms it leaves a trail of hands behind and so she's trying to like catch another glimpse of these horses through the just like mindscape of, of her own hands but she can't get, <laughs> she's surrounded by bronze colored hands that just hang in the air and she can't seem to find her way out she's, she's losing her focus a little bit here <laughs> I think as you did pass the creek, uh, Walt did uh, sort of get get a get up out of the water and, and join along. He, uh, Carcinikin was able to sort of focus him enough that he he recognized the group going by. Nice. So Walt rejoins. And Brinley still in the sky, or uh, what happened to Brinley? <laughs> I don't know. We never described her landing. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, you're moving so slow. <laughs> yeah, so slow. <laughs> Where is Brinley now? What's she doing? <laughs> um, I mean, she probably came down eventually. Probably. Uh, Trevor, uh, his uh, volume is going to go way up. He can yell louder than anybody. Uh, and he just like... Um, Emergency exit this way. This way, emergency exit. And just tries to, like, make that really loud to try to give a point for them to know to come towards. Uh, even though, because he kind of is aware that their perceptions are off or whatever, so he's just trying to be nice and loud and distinct, trying to offer a way for them to, to, to follow. And I know that the horses are coming, but... Mm -hmm. um, uh, this is where I'm hoping that the loudness might spook the horses <laughs> in a different oh. way, uh, in a different direction. Um, okay. Being the opposite of a horse whisperer. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm a, a the horse shudderer. Yeah, horse shudderer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that this, since this is also important for me to protect them, I'm going to take a uh, a kick on this as well. Um, okay. And can I have it? Uh, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to use. Uh, I have one last die that I'm going to add from my visor. So 2d6, one kick to basically uh, uh, scare off these horses and, and protect your friends? Yeah, yeah. And uh, with that, I rolled a six. Okay. You uh, yell quite loudly, and everyone, your attention is sort of drawn to this beacon, um, and emergency exit is this way, so you're good. You know where you need to go in case of an emergency. It's not that away or this away, it's this way. Uh, so mm -hmm. all of you know where the thin zone is and can make your way through. Um, what I'll say, because uh, I like these horses, um, they stop stampeding when they hear you, and they sort of like slow to a little trot and then to a little walk, and now they're just kind of around, but they're not going to hurt you. They are placated. They're just a little bit off over over that away a little bit. Okay. Um, and they are not a threat. But they're still there, and they're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I like them too much for them to just disappear entirely. <laughs> so maybe what I, 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 uh, Trev might start doing is going and collecting uh, each person, like as getting the farther one, uh, the person that's the farthest away, and like swooping in, grabbing them, pulling them, and like bringing them to the the thin sewn spot, and just like start collecting them, you know. Sure. 
I want to sort of take a temperature of where the other four are at. Uh, do you want to go through the thin zone right away? How, how's everyone feeling? Uh, Bryn just wants to go fast again. Mm. And she feels <laughs> like no matter how hard she pushes, she just can't go fast. Ah. So I think that is her impetus for wanting to leave. Yeah, I think Walt's also on that train of, of get back out of out of the logic weirdness. Uh. Mm-hmm. You, you've, you've had your excitement with uh, being rescued by Carcinikin? Yeah, there's there's a lot of things to unpack, and, and having the math would help with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say that Carcinikin is a scampykin again? Uh, I was almost going to say, I think Walt uh, recalled Carcinikin back to the Daiba Vice, oh. so he could, uh, and then ho- hopped on, on the board to sort of catch up with the crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, Carcinikin has transformed back to Scampikin, but I don't know that Walt has been able to figure that out okay, fully. Okay, <laughs> so as far as he knows, Carcinikin is uh, hanging out in the Daibo Vice. Uh, yeah. After and maybe when he gets back, it'll be Scampikin, and he'll be like, was it all the dream? Who knows? Was he always just a shrimp? <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> uh, it was probably just a manifestation of your desperation. Um, but you don't know that, because you're here, and it's nice. Uh, too nice. <laughs> uh, Helix and Maeve, how are y'all feeling? <laughs> um, he, he hasn't, you know, he, he took it off, and so he's he's got a little more grounding, but everything's gone back to being cartoony. I think he sees those horses as, like, a Looney Tunes horse, where it's a very big, chunky body, but short, stumpy legs. <laughs> um, like when Bugs Bunny's riding in in one of the one of the opera cartoons, um, mm-hmm. but he he's also not feeling threatened or overwhelmed. So I think he's just, if possible, I'm just going to start booking it to the to the the glowing like over the over a hill. There's like a, he sees it as like exit exit like a glowing <laughs> sign. Again, everything looks very cartoony <laughs> to him, but he's because he had a moment with the logic binders. He's a little more grounded. So. Okay. So he's making his way to the exit as well. Yeah, he like he can see Trev, but Trev's head looks like the exit sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with, with, and his head is shaped like an arrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, what about Maeve? I think when Trev amplified his voice and shouted, uh, from from Maeve's perspective, it like knocked all the hands away and cleared her vision. Um, it sort of like snapped her back to attention for a second there, um, and. She, she kind of like for the most fleeting moment gets a sense of what's really going on here that she has been standing in a valley looking at her own hands while a big cat almost ate her um, that, that the smarts of their crew is, is giggling softly to himself uh, that Bryn is maybe still in the sky somehow <laughs> uh, or maybe she's landed but, but launched herself and has not been seen again and just like is really feeling like Man, we we didn't do great here. Like this this didn't go great for us. Um and I think it just like uh strengthens her resolve to like she does want to leave. She feels like this this plane is not agreeing with them. But she also doesn't I, I think she's the kind of person who like can't take the L uh and is like, no, we can turn <laughs> this around. This has to be this is this is technically our first run. Like we whether we like it or not, we did we didn't mean for it, but but we're a crew now and Technically, this is this is our our first time out, and and dang it, she's gonna make it a good one. So I want to take uh, I want to use my ability of sacrifice your body, um, uh-huh. and take a slam. Um, I feel like it's probably like like strained or some sort of a like less less of a physical like I'm taking damage and more of a like 
I'm taking the damage of this plane yeah, um, yeah, yeah. to my psyche. Um, but I want to like make my way to the exit, but I also want to do a cool fucking trick on my way. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I want to stream it using my phone and, and hashtag it and put it up and like, I'm I'm putting our team. We don't even have a crew name yet, but but dang it, I'm gonna stream this and it's gonna look awesome, and everyone's gonna talk about about the hot new slug blasting crew. Is there anything else you want to add to this role? Yeah, I want to add a. Uh, wait, what am I doing? So I was gonna add a kick, and then I'm like, what does that achieve? <laughs> like, what am I trying to do that's more? Um, uh, if you want to add a kick, I'll let you mark two style. Oh, incredible! Yeah, uh, that's. If you yep. add the kick, you get to name the crew in the post. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm going to add a kick to my role uh, for my photonic jacket. Um, and I think it's just like trying to make this this stream look extra uh, incredible mm-hmm. by uh, setting my photonic jacket to you, you described like the grass in the sky is kind of constantly shifting colors. Ooh, yes. As of uh, right now, I think. Uh, the, the ribbon itself has become this, like, bright saffron yellow, and the sky is, like, this navy blue. Yeah, I think she just sets her, uh, jacket so that it is always a complementary color to her surroundings, so she's always, like, standing out with a bright contrasting color that, like, is, you know, part of the same palette, but the opposite side of the color wheel, so that Mm -hmm. just, like... If it's, you know, if the sky is blue, she's bright orange. And if the grass is yellow, she's lavender. And it's just like uh, constantly shifting and changing to match her surroundings, but or to contrast her surroundings. Um, Beautiful. And the trick she wants to do is uh, she's going to um, smack a couple of these horses and try and uh, get us get a get them moving again. In the opposite direction, away from us, yeah. uh, towards the thin zone, so that she can be like hoverboarding in amongst a stampede of horses, and they can all jump across uh, a, a gorge or a, or a valley together. <laughs> Amazing! It's gonna look so Almost fucking like sick. <laughs> in a nature documentary, when uh, like a drone flies down beside a herd in the savanna. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, and she shouts to Trev and is like, "Trev, get get your camera going." Yes. <laughs> Uh, indeed, I am recording. Beautiful. Let's let's make this goddamn roll already. Yes, 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 yes. One kick, forty six. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know what happened. Uh, okay, the uh, highest was a five. Okay. <laughs> so it's a it did it does go through, but oh boy. All right. Just barely. <laughs> I think you are going to take the slam of strained from Sacrifice Your Body. I, I like mm-hmm. that. Um, uh, you will mark your two style. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, describe how beautiful this looks. Yeah, there's this... Uh, I think, you know, we, we see this uh, maybe from the, the perspective of Trev as he's filming this, and you, you just hear the thunder of hooves in the distance, and you don't see them right away, but then cresting over top of the hill... There's uh, this this pack of, of multicolored pastel horses thundering towards the camera, and in amongst them, the camera like snap zooms in, and what's that? It's Maeve. She's in amongst the the pastel horses, hoverboarding, leaning forward, leaning into it, and they all crest the hill and all leap into the air, and whatever uh, cosmic radiance that illuminates this plane sort of catches and it lens flares uh, as they all come crashing back down onto the onto the plane. Uh, and straight towards camera 
and you know the horses split off to either side around Trev Four, but Maeve comes right up to him and and uh, uh, high fives him as she passes the camera. <laughs> uh, very good. Um, okay. What's my complication? What is your complication? <laughs> uh, well, uh, of course, I'm gonna mark another spot on the danger track. Uh, Peel has all been marked. Uh, back is uh, still remaining, but it sounds like that won't be much of an issue. Um, I think your complication is... I did rile up a bunch of horses, if that helps. <laughs> you did rile up a bunch of horses, and uh, I think I, I want to get a couple more people into trouble here. Uh, I think I am going to target not you, but Helix and Brinley for a couple of slams. Uh, Brinley because she can't quite move fast enough to get away from these horses and Helix because he kind of don't wanna uh, or you know whatever motivation that you want to have for that Helix and of course uh, y'all can nope your own slams, nope each other's slams uh, but otherwise uh, you're gonna take the um, uh, aggressively jostled slam because <laughs> trampled <laughs> sounds too aggressive but jostled doesn't sound aggressive enough uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna nope it, um, just because I want the trouble. Yeah, I'm gonna nope it too. <laughs> All right, mark two trouble each, friends. Uh, actually, w- maybe is it possible? Because a part of the nope is you have to describe like how you avoid it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to offer that I can. Like, as I'm recording, filming all this, I see them in the background, uh, you know, approaching. Uh, like, maybe I can shout to them to try, like, shake their uh, attention. Just like, Brinley, to your left. Uh, so, yeah, Trev, you are, are calling out to Brinley and Helix. Uh, uh, and Helix, what do you perceive? Um, he sees, you know, Trev at the top of the hill and he shouts, you know, Brinley, to your left. Uh, and maybe Helix, to your right. Uh, and there's horses on our left and right. Uh, but he, Helix sees that sort of come out of his his speaker holes automat like spelled out automatopoeia like t- t- kinetic typography he sees the words <laughs> floating in the sky uh-huh. uh, and it's like Ugh. uh and and just begins to to you know that th- catches his attention jumps out of the way of some trotting chunky can horses I, can i make an offer yeah uh, he says Helix to your right, and you see a right arrow, and it moves towards you, and you have to step to meet with the arrow like Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, and if, if you want to piggyback off that anyway, Glenna, maybe maybe the, the speed at which I step to these Dance Dance Revolution arrows um, and follow the kinetic typography is the, the burst of speed you need to move at least at normal speed, if not, you know, out of the dream slow. Mm-hmm. But you tell me. Well, so uh, I'm basing the dream slow off of frequent dreams that I actually have. Um, oh, wow. It's really frustrating and I hate it, but <laughs> it happens all the time. <laughs> um, and what usually happens in those dreams is what Dr- Brinley is going to do is that through inaction, she comes out okay. I know that's a very chill move. But we're in dream. Mm-hmm. We're in dream world right now, uh, so things are a little different. And I think she sort of like really slowly manages. It feels like she's going so slow, but like in reality, she's moving at normal speed. Yeah. And kind of like again, like Neo in the Matrix. I don't know. Maybe it's because she sounds like Keanu Reeves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
like when he's fighting Smith at the end and just like very slowly blocking all of his moves, that's what it's like. And she sort of just like sidesteps the horses in time. Uh, Almost like the gutsy maneuver here isn't doing the thing to get out of the way. The gutsy maneuver is almost like letting yourself flow through the movements and almost letting yourself escape. Yeah. Playing chicken with the horses. Yeah. (laughs) You are one with the horses. There are no horses, (laughs) but there are horses. (laughs) And so I only took one trouble. Dave got my other one and a style. Yeah. Sure. Take your your trouble, Dave. You owe me. (laughs) Uh, Maeve, you pull off this beautiful trick. The horses are stampeding all around you. uh, And the five of you successfully manage to kick into nth gear and punch through this thin zone out of Empyrean. At this moment, I would like one of you to roll 2d6. Who's been rolling bets tonight? <laughs> I will do it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Actually, no, the last person to have the logic binders on should do it. I believe it was Trev 4. Yeah. Okie doke. 2d6. Oh, no. Um... That's double ones. Double ones. Yeah. Uh, why did I suggest that? <laughs> Dave, you fucked us. Thank you. I wanted you to roll to see where you ended up, and I have my answer with the double ones. You break through the thin zone and feel the rush of nothing flood your senses, abruptly pulling you out of the dreamlike confusion of Empyrean. In an instant, you're through, and all you can comprehend at first is heat. Your skin cracks, you struggle to catch your breath, and your fans kick into overdrive. Above you is a matte yellow sky of hazy ash. All around you, jagged mountain ridges shoot up into the sky, some of them erupting and spewing smoke in the distance. A loud pop and hiss fires off close by as a geyser shoots out scalding steam. You've gone from a barely comprehensible dream to a painfully tangible nightmare. Welcome to the plane of Calorium. <laughs> 